we just talk? Can we just talk? Ladies talk and gentlemen, welcome back. 2019, I love you, man, but I disagree. My name is Scott Raylanew, here with my buddy Jacob Foreman. We're two guys trying to figure it out, talking politics. Uh, one a little bit more conservative, one a little bit more liberal, trying to find where we can meet in the middle, how we can make sense of this whole thing. Welcome back, Jacob. How you feeling, man? Hey, Scott. Good. Good to be with you, man. Uh, really glad to be back. 2019, new season, uh, some new topics for us. Got a new landscape that we're working on, uh, political landscape, that is. Uh, I'm really glad to have our listeners back with us. Thanks, thanks so much for joining. Absolutely. And we want to kick off season two. You know, 2019, we're ramping up for 2020 election. Donald Trump's going to run again. That we know, 2020, right? He's big about make America great again. And the Democratic field is a little bit split. There's an awful lot of them that are running for the nomination. We've got some household names, been in the game for a while, and we got some new players. So here today we're going to talk a little bit about who's running, what they're running on, how they stand up against each other, and then also how they're going to stand up when the time comes against the the incumbent, which is always a little bit of a boost, you know, President Donald Trump. Absolutely, Scott. And, and I'll be talking some about, as the more liberal side of this, this equation, some about my take on the candidates, not all of them, and touching on what it is that I'm that I'm proud of for, for what they're doing, uh, the ideas they're bringing forth, what they're representing. Uh, not to say that anyone is, is perfect, and I'm still, spoiler alert, I'm not going to uh, say I'm going to support one person today or anything like that. You're, but not, you're not cutting any checks today nope. in support of one one candidate and one candidate only. Nope. Okay. Jury's still out on that. It says a little bit too early for me, but there are some some things that I'm looking for and some things that I'm seeing that I do like and I want to highlight. And then also I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask you, Scott, about your take on on that. If you feel similarly, uh, if you feel proud, maybe maybe you do, maybe you don't um, about these candidates, about what they're they're going through and what they're putting out there. And then also what you might want to see that differently, them do differently, that maybe you're not getting from some of these debates and their, their policy stances and things like that. As a conservative, and I would say a, even a, I think it's fair to say a moderate conservative. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, I think your opinion here really uh, is something I'm interested in, in terms of like what you're taking away from them and maybe what suggestions you might have. They want your vote, for example. Beautiful. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's that's why we're here, right? To so talk a little bit about both sides of it. You know where we can meet in the middle. What, what kind of candidate we're looking for? Obviously, we know what we're getting in Donald Trump. We know, you know, it's been three years here now, basically, of him in office. We know what we're getting, um, you know, the the hard stance, the the rhetoric, the whole nine yards. Now it's now it's about what are we going to get from the new Democratic Party, right? So. In my opinion, my humble opinion, when I look at the Democratic field and you tell me, um, I see a lot of like establishment and non-establishment. Bernie Sanders, non-establishment. Joe Biden, establishment. Elizabeth Warren, non-establishment. Kamala Harris, Beto O'Rourke, Mayor Pete, Cory Booker, establishment. These are people who have been in office that they want to work within the system. I think in the 
the first debate, we heard Joe Biden very emphatically say, I don't need to upset the entire system. I can work within this current system and make it better for all Americans. And then you have candidates like Bernie Sanders, who ran a very successful 2016 campaign on, let's shake this up. Let's get a new system in place. Let's you know, really turn this upside down. Elizabeth Warren very similarly has said, hey, let's turn this on its head. Let's figure out a new way to help American families. And Joe Biden, Beto O'Rourke, they've been in the House. They've, they've, they've made their way. They know how to use the political machine, if you will, to turn about the, the things that they want. Agree? Disagree? Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair enough. And some of the things that that I'm proud of, you mentioned Elizabeth Warren. I'm going to get some other people too. But some of the things I'm proud of regarding Elizabeth Warren is she's focusing in on her plans, right? She's saying I have a plan for that. That's something that she she mentions a lot. And one of her plans that that I thought stuck out to me is affordable childcare. And she has a pretty comprehensive plan about how to bring down the cost of childcare. Right now, it can go as high as 36 percent of household income. According to her website, it says 9 to 36% of household income is spent on child care. Uh, it's expensive for folks. And she wants to find a way to tax new millionaires, so people who are uh, making more money, uh, newly making that money, uh, to bring that cost down to be 7% of household income capped at the maximum. And so that's something that, that I'm proud of, that I think is whether that idea will stick or not, whether Elizabeth Warren will win or not, I'm proud that that idea is out there. That the Democratic nominee is one of the excuse me one of the Democratic candidates, not nominee uh, candidates, is is saying that this is a priority. So it's something that 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 I'm proud of. So so I'll I'll address a little, a little Elizabeth Warren, a little bit of Elizabeth Warren, not a little Elizabeth right, Warren, right? But a little bit about Elizabeth Warren. First of all, Elizabeth Warren represents a very niche part of the Democratic Party. I think. Um, I think that's one of the toughest things that she has going for her is that she's a senator from Massachusetts, not unlike Ted Kennedy back in the day. Um, and so she's got a very loyal following in Massachusetts where there's a very strong blue culture. But reaching the further United States constituents and going up against moderate Democrats and moderate Republicans in uh, Arizona, Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, Iowa, I think she's really going to struggle. And so I think she's tried to make an effort to get some airtime on the first the first debate. That's just her kind of political game right now. But um, so so she's a niche candidate, I think she's anti-establishment. And, and I think that there's a little bit of trust issue there. And I think that what we saw in 2016 with with Hillary and emails and you know stupid stuff like that is that people can play to that theme, and certainly Donald Trump will, and attack it for her, you know, lying about law school. I think that's a tough, a tough. I didn't know that. Yeah. So she she yeah the whole Native American thing right. So she claimed herself as one sixteenth Native American. Right. Then she did like a twenty three and Me test that yielded that she wasn't actually one sixteenth Native American. It was a big deal. Anyway, so that so, impacted her law school. I, I knew the Native American thing. Yeah. So she she claimed school. that as a minority. Oh, got it. Okay. To to help her get into uh, law school, and so I, I'm nervous about her her candidacy for the nomination on the honesty card. Not, 
and I think that that's one thing, one instance of the honesty card. I think also she's a niche candidate, and so that will speak to people. Also, she's 70 years old, and some people feel like this new anti-establishment voice um, needs to be a younger voice. I think Bernie faces a similar kind of challenge with yeah. his age too you know what i mean but it is part of that i won't say it's yeah. i won't so, say it's complete i'll just say it's something that people say against them yeah so you brought up you brought up bernie so i hear and i hear what you're saying about elizabeth warren i think there's there's some areas for us to discuss i don't want to get get maybe we'll circle back about her being a niche candidate i'd like to hear more about that i think i like to put a pin in that one Wait, I do. For, uh, sorry, I forgot to mention that yeah. I do like Elizabeth Warren for the work that she has done with the student loan crisis. Mm-hmm. She championed okay. um, an independent uh, check in the government on student predatory student loans, and I think she did a great job to get that going. I think that student loans is a horrific burden that our country is going to face. Um, and I think that she's done great work on that in the beginning. I don't love some of the options that some people have posed on how to find full resolution to it. But I like that she has addressed that in her work up until this point. So there's my good job, Elizabeth Warren. Got it. So student loans to to you, that's an important one. I've, and you and I have talked about this. Maybe we do an episode on student loans, to be honest. Just how that is something that could be a crisis for our country. Absolutely, um, the debt, the debt that comes with it. We don't have to get into all of that now, but that's an, obviously an important uh, thing for you. So I wanted to get to to Bernie Sanders. So what I want to do is Scott is I want to get through say something similar like I did about Elizabeth Warren, right? Where I said I'm proud of this, or I, this is something that stuck out to me that I like that that I've earmarked, and then get your take on that. Sure. Um, so we've done that for Elizabeth Warren. Um, let's do that now for Bernie Sanders. So for Bernie Sanders, I mean, there's a lot to be said about Bernie, right? And I'm not going to go... Does it start with millionaires and billionaires? Because that's my favorite part. (laughs) That's a pretty good... That's a pretty good... uh, I've been working on it. I've been working on it. That's pretty good. We did not get Bernie to fly in to Chicago for the show. That was just Scott, everybody, (laughs) doing his Bernie Sanders impersonation. Um, And I think there's a lot to be said about Bernie. I think he's... In many, I think it's fair to say he's he's changed the party. He's changed the Democratic Party. Absolutely, the way he speaks, his his uh, his message, it really resonates with people. I mean, there's Bernie Bros for a reason, right? And he's um, the number one fundraiser in the Democratic uh, primaries at this point at thirty six point two million dollars. So the guy's doing something right. Yep, and he had a pretty good quarter two. Pete Buttigieg was. Uh, top of quarter two, he raised the most money in quarter two, uh, and that's where actually we want to go with Bernie. That was something that stuck out to me is his donation, his fundraising. He's been raising a lot of money. Right. His average donation size is eighteen dollars in quarter two. Unbelievable! And, and that's He's getting down. a bunch of millennials to you know chip in what they can. I, I, I mad props to Bernie Sanders for getting that kind of fundraising effort. It's grassroots. I mean, to me that, that screams grassroots, uh, $18 for quarter two, his average, uh, was $30 previously also really low. So it's gone down to me. I'm proud of that. I'm, I'm glad that it's a grassroots movement. That's not just the wealthy chipping into him and making sure that he succeeds to, for their own interests. It's, it's basically everyone, you know, all across America, not every single person, but like everyone, the representative, 
right, it seems, of, of the people in America are contributing to his campaign. So something that I'm proud of, and I guess I just wanted, I just wanted your response to that and, and your take kind of on No, I, I love that. I love that in principle, right? I love that we have candidates who are reaching people and getting small amounts of donations to, that show support. Right. Because it shouldn't be this heavily dominated. And, and again, we could probably have an episode on political fundraising and, and how that yeah. works and how just crazy that is, because the way some corporations can influence nominees is just nuts. But anyway, no, I, I that makes me happy. I mean, I think that was one of the things about Obama's run is that they were saying that he was getting donations just in, in the tens of dollars and 20s of dollars. And, and that was a huge part to his success. Um, I think that Bernie, again, is this anti-establishment candidate. Now, now you'll also hear that, hey, Donald Trump was anti-establishment. Hell, the Republican Party pushed as hard as they could for the Jeb Bush and the John Kasich to represent them in 2016. And for whatever reason, people didn't take to it. The Democrats in 2016 went to the establishment, which was Hillary Clinton, and the Republicans were the ones who did not go to the establishment. They're the one that went anti-establishment, Donald Trump. So is it time for a swing the other way? Is it is it time for the Democrats to finally pick their anti-establishment nominee? Perhaps. I think he's going to have a tough time in swing states because I think his anti-establishment policy will not speak to moderate Republicans. And, and that's and that's the toughest part because moderate Republicans care about fiscal policy and they are less strict as like right wingers on social policy. And so when you have an anti-establishment candidate on the Democratic side preaching higher taxes, everything like that, that's a quick way to get moderate Republicans to say, no, thank you. That's how I feel about Bernie. Taxes. Taxes, man, money. Yeah. People don't want to part with their money. And I get it because, honestly, I'm saving money on the new tax laws. People care about that. All right, what else you got for me? All right, here we go. Biden. So he's the front runner still, right? He's Obama's guy. I think that's one of his main his, one of his main platforms is that, hey, I'm Obama's guy. And Democrats, darling, you know, the, the prodigal son, you know, returns, right? As they begged him to come and run in 2016, he wouldn't do it. Now here he is in 2020, and they are, they're hitching their wagon to, the, the establishment is hitching their wagon to Joe Biden, no doubt about it. Right, so one of the things I, I like about Joe Biden, uh, and I'd say of the three that I talked about, so I'm not going to endorse anyone, I actually like Biden the least. Personally, Which is funny because I was going to say because I was going to say he's the one guy that I'd be like you know I could go okay, with Joe so Biden maybe. on the Democratic Party because I know what I'm going to get I know what I'm going to get but I'll I'll let you keep going so and we should talk about that maybe more but what I'm proud of Biden is that recently he's come out with his health care plan and this is something that you and I talked about I think it was back in episode one or two uh, of this podcast we talked about health care and talked about Obamacare. And one of the points that I made, I remember, was, you know, we haven't been able to tinker with Obamacare. We haven't been able to update it. We haven't been able to really make additions such as a public option, which is something that you and I have talked about as well. Uh, And Biden has basically said, look, I want to keep Obamacare. I'm Obama's guy. I want to build on what he did. Through and through. He's sticking. He's consistent with that for sure. And I want to add a public option. That's basically his healthcare plan in a nutshell. Private um, and public. Exactly. Private option, keep it. Public op- option, make that available. Hey, yeah. listen, I, I'm I'm okay with it. I, I think that there are people that are benefiting from a public option, from a 
you know what I mean, from a state funded. I think that the toughest part is getting the Blue Cross Blue Shields of the world to honor public options. That's kind of the toughest linchpin, right, is you've got some states that now only have one provider, one service provider of a health plan. And so this marketplace, this public marketplace we talked about, has really fallen to the wayside. And that's the toughest argument about a public option. But am I I in principle pro finding an option for families of lower socioeconomic status to have an option. Yeah, I'm, I'm for it. I, I've, I've come around to that. Uh, but Joe Biden, he's, he's the, you know, he's the big dog, but he got, he got bit. Kamala Harris came out and challenged him on, on civil rights. And honestly, Joe kind of put his foot in his mouth with some of the things that he said. I think that Kamala with what she challenged him on, Honestly, I thought it was a bit inappropriate because of what Joe Biden has done in his career on civil rights. I thought that it was it was not warranted. You know, I don't want to say that she's playing the race card, but I think that it was an opportunity for her to challenge him on something. I I think he has ground to stand on. You know what I mean? He was the vice president for the first black president in the United States. I, I think he was there has been no better champion for Barack Obama's um, administration than, than Joe Biden. And so to challenge him on that, I thought was a little bit uncalled for. I, honestly, I was surprised that Barack Obama didn't come out and say, hey, Joe's Joe's a good guy. Joe's not a racist. Um, so I was a little bit surprised about that, honestly. But Kamala's made a she's made a name for herself, um, you know, and more than just that. Right. As a as a lawyer, a D.A. in San Francisco, California junior senator, um, she she knows what she's doing. I'm glad you mentioned uh, Kamala Harris for this next one. The thing that I'm proud of, I'm going to put her and Pete Buttigieg together because Buttigieg is also a top runner here. Uh, Diversity. Right. So we're seeing we have a large field, so we're going to get diversity regardless. But. We have a black black woman who's who's you know made a mark already on the campaign. Uh, we have uh, a gay man, uh, Pete judge He's also young, so we'll give that for former military man. For you know, guy. mayor of South Bend, Indiana, Indiana, a, a more Republican kind of conservative state. So you know, he's got some things going for him in terms of appeal to different uh, to different you know dem- demographics in 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 the country. So I think he's. Yeah got some good things going for him he's raising some money um he's not afraid to challenge some people then again he's raising some money from some larger funders so that that might kind of be his it's different than bernie right where bernie's we talked about 18 per person he's he's way up there in terms yeah. of that you, and then you've also got cory booker you know a black man from new jersey yep of course that uh, former mayor of new of newark the guy knows his area he knows his territory he knows his city his state um, who's also a very compelling, smart, you know, went to Yale, um, got, guy that knows his stuff. And so I think that we've got a lot of good options. And then it comes down to who's the best one to challenge, go toe-to-toe with President Trump's unorthodox antics. Yeah, and I've heard people say that uh, Kamala Harris, because she is a prosecutor, she can prosecute Trump. That she'll be able to take him to task, kind of like how she did Biden. So, Scott, I'm curious what it would, what it would take for you to, in your mind, to, to get Trump out of office. What would it take for, the, for this field of candidates to win Democratic votes? Yes, but 
to win Republican votes, to to win swing votes, to win they're conservative gonna need, votes. They're going to need swing votes gonna if they're going to win this. And I think I might be looking at a swing voter. Fingers crossed. Who knows? I'm, you know, a guy can only hope. Uh, what do you think it would take for you or someone like you to, to maybe think about getting Trump out of office? I think it's what does America need to hear from a Democratic nominee in their mind say, yeah, I'm going to vote for this person rather than give Trump four more years. And honestly, they need somebody that's strong, that's got a financial plan, got a fiscal plan for the country that, um, and when I said strong, they've got to have a foreign policy uh, background or at least a vice president or somebody that they that they know has foreign policy experience. Those are the two most important things that people are going to care about in this one. I think that we've seen that the rhetoric, that the ethical rhetoric, um, that the moral values or speech that a candidate comes from, from the Republican side, does not have as much effect on who somebody votes for um, as we thought might. And I think that that's led to some of the division in, in our country right now. And so you can't bank on, well, they're a really good person and, and what, I think they need to be able to, to walk the walk. And I think that Donald Trump said, I'm going to sure as hell talk the talk, but he's shown I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. And, and so I'm looking for a Democratic nominee to come out that's strong, that knows their stuff, that's got people around them that convey confidence in the, the next four years of America's fiscal policy and foreign policy. That is what I'm looking for. And they're going to have to be ready to go against Donald Trump in these debates. And he don't play fair. He's going to go after what he thinks gives him an advantage. And the Democrats need to start thinking like that. Got it. Yeah, so strength, experience, foreign policy, which is something that's come up, I think, in the debates, but not as much as domestic stuff, I would say. And then, yeah, able to withstand... Trump and all his meddling. Yeah, I mean, he's he's he is a master marketer. You know what I mean? I think he's done a fantastic job at his brand. Whether you like it, dislike it, agree, disagree, he has done a fantastic job at his brand. He is the only president that's had rallies after he's won the presidency. I mean, he just is all about make America great again. He's all about that brand. And that is what kept him his base. And he's just continued to plug at, honestly, a less than stellar Democratic Party over the past three years now. With a little bit of infighting, with a little bit of disorganization. And he's taken advantage. I think he's put his foot in his mouth a few times where he shouldn't have, if he'd just be quiet. But, you know, he is the guy he is, and he's going to say what he wants to say. And if the Democrats want to win in 2020, they've got to put forth somebody who conveys strength, who has experience, who knows the game, um, and is not afraid to go toe for toe, jab for jab, uppercut for uppercut with Donald Trump. Scott, I appreciate that feedback, that input. I hope we had some democratic strategists you know maybe they tuned in they're listening to yeah, your, I hope your so. thoughts because <laughs> you know what there's a little bit of intel that we might need um like i like i said we're gonna need some or like you said we're gonna need some swing voters some some conservatives um so it's good perspective appreciate it you know at this point yep 
I think it's time to revive an oldie but a goodie, uh, a well actually, that we started there in the first season, at the end of the first season, and I think you said you got one. So what's your well actually this uh, this week? Yes, and for anyone that's new that's tuning in, a well actually is the way we like to end the, the episodes. It's the idea that sometimes things aren't always what they seem. Um, that it might look one way and then kind of surprise you and kind of surprise you. It's like, Oh, well actually it's, it's like this. So sticking in with our theme here of the debates and our candidates, uh, I don't know about you, uh, listeners out there, but sometimes, uh, I, I find myself thinking about, about global warming. It's not the most fun topic to think about and ask myself, huh, are we ever, are we ever going to get our act together? Are we going to be able to figure this collective problem out kind of falls to the wayside when financial policy and foreign policy kind of takes the lead right right and also when you know donald trump is president um i had to get that one in there just had to slide sticking with the theme sticking with the theme of the episode but so my will actually is that listening to these debates the the two debates the democratic debates Global warming and climate change was top of mind. Some of the candidates are running just on that, right, just to get more visibility to that. Some of the candidates, when asked what is the biggest threat in their mind, they said global warming. That gave me hope on that front. So I guess the wall actually is, you know, maybe global warming. I feel like sometimes this is a lost cause. But recently I've been feeling a little bit renewed optimism uh, towards that effort. Good, good. I'm glad that... uh... A cause that's near and dear to your heart is, uh, you know, kind of getting getting a little bit more, a little bit more love. It's in the headlines a little bit more. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Tuning back in. I know it's been a long wait. I love you, man, but I disagree. Season two, first episode in the books. Thanks so much for joining in. Uh, looking forward to seeing you in the next. Uh, Thanks so much. Appreciate you, and have a good night. Can we just talk? Can we just talk? Talk about where we're going Before we get